Welcome everybody to episode 38 of Spurbs Herbs. Today we are going to be talking about a really, really important formula, Shao Chai Hu Tong or Minor Bupurum Decoction. This is one of our oldest formulas and yet one of our most important when we start talking about modern day diseases. Just an incredibly important formula. And uh, so without further ado, well, there will be a little further ado, but let's get into it. All right. So today's episode, as I said, we will be looking at one of the most important versatile formulas in Chinese medicine, Xiao Chai Hu Tang, a minor bupurum or minor bupurum decoction. This formula, more than most, is surprisingly useful for a wide variety of modern conditions. Join us as we look at this versatile and amazing formula as well as exploring something a little different where we continue our exploration of powder or herbal processing. But before we do that, I have a couple questions for you. Have you ever wanted to give herbs to a patient on drugs? Do you have the knowledge and tools to do that effectively and safely? I am finishing up my drug herb webinar series, which if you don't know is from my textbook I have written uh, which gives this webinar series gives you real world tools to answer these questions. As a beginning, the first course will give you an in depth overview of how drugs and by the same token, how herbs work on the body. The second episode, or the second webinar, focuses on drug herb interactions and gives you a unique, powerful, real world tool for assessing them. This knowledge should be in every practitioner's toolkit. So I'm gonna give you these first two courses, six hours of CEUs for 30% off the regular already low price. Just go to integrativemedicinecouncil.org slash 32 and get your discount right now. But hurry, this is, as they say, a limited time offer. All right, let's get into our episode today. We have a lot. This is one of my, my longer episodes, so it's, it's uh, going to be a good one. So uh, in our last couple of episodes, we have talked about powder or herb processing, and specifically shuajer, water processing, and huozer, fire processing. Today, we'll be looking at how fire and water is used in processing herbs and finish up our discussion with processing using fermentation, germination, as well as other processes. This is all based on CNU's wonderful book, An Introduction to the Use of Processed Chinese Medicinals. So water and fire processing. By combining fire and water, several different and commonly used methods of herb processing are created. The first of these is zheng fa, or steaming. This is where herbs are cooked in steam or, pr or pressure cooked is considered steaming method as well. This method is used to modify nature or action, lessen a drastic action or side effect, and or facilitate preservation, cutting, and storage. Another method is ju fa or preparing or boiling. This is where the medicinals are boiled in water or in a decoction. This method can reinforce an action and or lessen toxicity of the herb. Sometimes vinegar water is used in this process. Vinegar with its acidity really does change the process and, and can cause chemical reactions in the herbs being processed. Don Fa, scalding is where medicinals are plunged into boiling water, stopping the boiling and removed as soon as it starts a new boil. So you, you put the herbs in, the boiling stops, and as it comes back into a boil, you take the herbs out. This can eliminate non-medicinal parts or facilitate drying and preservation. Sweep fa or dip calcinium is where the medicinal is heated until red hot and then dipped into a liquid of water or vinegar and then repeated several times. This is used for minerals, shells, scales, and carapaces. Uh, you know, the, the uh, like turtle carapace, the shell of the turtle. It renders the medicinal friable, which means breakable, to facilitate pulverization, so to help powder it make it break it into smaller pieces. The last of water and fire processes is 
Zhonglu or distilling. This is where specific aromatic plants are distilled slowly in steam to capture their essential oils. Uh, now we move on to fermentation and germination. So we have uh, fa jiao fa, which is the Chinese term for fermentation. And uh, this is where medicinals are left in 30 to 37% humidity until they ferment, so they, they grow uh, a fungus or uh, not really a fungus necessarily, but um, bacterial in fact, bacteria or something along those lines. That's, the, that's fermentation. Fermentation is the breakdown of sugars in the natural substances by bacteria, and that's what technically fermentation is. And essentially this transforms the nature of the medicinal and confers new actions and indications on that particular herb. We also have fa ya fa, or germination, and this is where grains or seeds of plants are maintained at certain temperatures and humidity to cause germination to start to sprout. This accomplishes similar goals to fermentation. Transform it transforms the nature of the medicinal and confers new actions and indications. Uh, so there's a question here because I we had a Spurbserves episode on garlic daswan where I talked about black garlic and how to make black garlic. It's a really fascinating ingredient. I still haven't used it. I'm dying to use it. Um, and it's made by being kept warm for weeks. And so the question here is, does this lead to this type of fermentation? And I, you know, I, the, the question is, is the humidity that that is occurring in? I think black, gar black garlic isn't exactly this type of fermentation. Garlic itself is very difficult for bacteria to grow on, so it's, it's unlikely that it would have an, a natural fermentation process. But black garlic is, is sort of a, I think what that is is an inherent breakdown of some of the, the products that are actually in garlic, and so that causes the black garlic. So I don't think it's this type of fermentation, but I'm not an expert on it, um, but I don't think it is. I think it's something a little bit different. So great question, though. So other processes here. We have, uh, what we've discussed this episode and over the last few are the most common processes herbs undergo. There are many other methods used to process herbs and medicinal substances. Often these are complex and are only used to process one or two herbs. Example include the complex methods of preparing Bon Sha, Penelia Terminate, um, which we're going to talk about today. We're going to be using Jur Bon Sha, or prepared Penelia Terminate. Uh, or simply adding cinnabar powder to certain herbs. Again, probably not used much in the United States. Cinnabar is mercury powder. It's, a, it's an alloy of, of uh, mercury. So um, I, I, you know, it's not, cinnabar powder isn't commonly used in the United States and it should not be on any of the herbs we get imported, but that is a traditional methodology for processing herbs. So this concludes our multi-episode introduction to herb processing. Of course, there is a lot more to herb processing, but the methods we have discussed are very commonly used in Chinese herbal medicine. It is important to have at least a basic understanding of these methods as they can dramatically change the safety and use of medicinals. And with this, you know what? It, it, what I'm going to do is another form coming up, maybe not next episode, but coming up in the in the near future, I'm going to do an episode on granules and just talk about how they're prepared, which is a whole other preparation of herbs, and yet probably the most commonly used form today among professionals is the, the use of granules. So we'll talk about what they are and how we, we make them and some of the issues with them. There's a great little book that a friend of mine wrote, Eric Brand, uh, on, on granules, understanding granule, form, uh, granule herbs, and so we'll, I, I'm not sure that's the exact name, but it's basically what it's about. And so we'll get into that as we go along. So really interesting. So we'll talk about that in the future. But for now, with all of this under our belt, let's talk about today's formula, Shao Chai Hutong. So this formula is in a subcategory of formulas that harmonize lesser yang warp disorders. Uh, so that's the subcategory. We're going to talk about what this lesser yang warp. It's an interesting translation, but we'll talk about what it means in just a second. So it's harmonized lesser yang warp disorders, and that's all under the broader category, the chapter in the book of formulas that harmonize category. This is a super interesting category of herbs because I tend to think, um, for me personally, that that acupuncture is is very 
um, harmonizing, very regulatory. Like the body will take what it needs to take from, from acupuncture in general. There's some uh, exceptions to that. But herbs to me are, are what I call very pushy. It's like the, the herbs are going to push you in a direction. And so if you get herbs wrong, you can do some harm. If you do acupuncture a little bit off, um, I, I don't mean placement. Sometimes that can cause some harm if there's a mistake in the placement. But if you put in a point that's not exactly great for that, that patient, it won't cause harm in general. But herbs can if you put in the wrong herb. But these, this harmonized category is more in this regulatory mode. It's like the body takes from these harmonizing formulas and does what it, the body needs to do with it. So they're really interesting. And because of this sort of harmonizing and regulatory function, they're very widely used. We already talked about one of them, Shaiyosan, in an earlier episode, which is an incredibly popular formula. Shaiyutang is an incredibly popular formula. There's a couple others we'll get into, I'm sure, as we, as we go along with Superb's Herbs. But these are really important clinically, uh, these formulas, these harmonizing formulas. And so, um, so I said this is in the harmonized lesser young wharf disorders subcategory, according to Scheid uh, and his team. Chen and Chen actually very similarly say it is a Xiaoyang harmonizing formula. So Xiaoyang is the actual Chinese word that we use. And often I've heard it translated as lesser yang, but... Um, here in Shide, they're saying it is, uh, they're translating it as lesser yang warp, while Chen Chen doesn't translate it at all. It just says Xiaoyang. So, um, but they both agree that it's very harmonizing. It's all same category uh, with both, with all the authors. Other names for this formula include Repurum decoction or Chai Hu Tong. Don't forget the Xiao. Um, Yellow Dragon decoction or Huang Long Tong. Three Prohibitions decoction, San Jin Tong. Ginseng decoction, Renshen Tang, harmonizing and resolving powder, He Jie San, or just minor bupurum combination rather than decoction. So in order to discuss this formula, we do need to discuss a uniquely Chinese medical diagnosis called Xiaoyang or lesser yang disease. So this is part of a diagnostic approach called the six stages or Liu Jing, this was first written in the 3rd century CE by Zhang Zhang Jing in his foundational book, Shang Han Lung, or Discussion of Cold-Induced Diseases. So if you're not familiar with this book, it's an incredibly, it's a foundational book. It is the first existing book on Chinese formulas. So if it, a formula is in this book, this book is very widely uh, studied. I have um, one of my mentors, this was his entire doctoral program, was, was, was working with this book. Um, incredibly important, you know, not quite 2,000 years old, first herbal book, still foundational today, very useful in Chinese medicine. And um, so a couple things. Zhang Zhang Jing is quite revered. Um, this book, Shang Han Lung, was actually part of another book, uh, and that book uh, was, was kind of lost but reconstituted a few centuries later into two different books. And so this is one of them, the Shanghai Mung. The other one we've also discussed many times, which is, is um, the Jingwei uh, Liao Feng, which is the uh, cabinet, the formulas from, the, uh, from the, the Golden Cabinet. And those two were one book. So, but this book, the Shanghai Mung, is about external diseases, how external diseases come into the body and go internal. And that's basically what the six stages describes. It, it describes how a cold pathogen enters the body moves from the outside to the inside of the body with various signs and symptoms of the various stages of this progression. That is the Shang Lung, that's the six stages. Um, the other part of the book, the, the Jingwei, that is more about what, what we call miscellaneous diseases, but internal diseases, other diseases, not diseases that came in from the outside and go inside. So what this book does is it really kind of establishes um, and and it, it came from the, the author's experiences. He, he says the very first is he, he lost like, um, I think a third or two thirds of his family due to uh, an epidemic that went through. So he wrote this book with his wisdom to try and prevent that from happening. So this is all about how you, an external, an epidemic happens and how you deal with it. Does that sound when we're right here still in the middle of COVID-19 that becomes an interesting thing, though COVID-19 might not fall under this cold-induced diseases. We, I tend to think of it as more of a Wenbing or how, uh, which is warm diseases, how a warm pathogen comes in. 
but still, you can see we're still dealing with this. Uh, we've always dealt with this as human beings. So the six stages follow the six pairings of the major acupuncture channels and roughly flow from exterior to interior. Uh, gallbladder and triple burner are the paired Shaoyang channels. So those are the, 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 the actual uh, meridians that are Shaoyang. And so often you'll see with formulas, I mean with acupuncture for, for Shaoyang disease, often gallbladder and Sanjiao or triple burner points are used. We've talked around triple burner quite a bit on these Ferbs Herbs. Uh, so I think I'm going to skip that conversation at some point. I need to have a deep dive into that so we can start to get better understanding of that. But it is, it is a, an organ according to Chinese medicine and has no equivalent at all in biomedicine. So the Shaoyang stage is the third of the six stages, the last of the three exterior yang stages. Yang is exterior, yin is interior, and is considered the transition from an exterior to an interior condition. It's called the pivot. This is a really important thing. It's often said to be, uh, to be being half interior and half exterior. Half in, half out. Which makes this really important because if we stop it here, we stop the seriousness of an internal condition. If we don't stop it here, we get into way more serious stuff as this pathogen goes, goes in more deeply. So this is a really important point where we can still get at this without any major danger to the to the body. I mean, there's still maybe some consequences, but not, not life-threatening. As it goes internal, it becomes more and more life-threatening. And so really important point for us to, to deal with this pathogen as it's, it's entering the body. So signs and symptoms of Shaoyang disease or Shaoyang Bing, Bing include alteration of shivers or cold feeling and fever or feeling of heat. And this is really important. This, this alternating fever and chills is incredibly important, is kind of the hallmark, the classic, the defining symptom of Shaoyang. You have to have this. If you don't have alternating chills and fever, then you're not quite at the Shaoyang, you're not at the Shaoyang stage. You could be, it's one of the other stages. So that's the important thing that we're looking for here. Other things that we see are bitter taste in the mouth, dry throat, blurred vision, hypochondrial fullness and distension. So hypochondrial means basically um, just below the rib cage is generally where the hypochondrial area is. Uh, so the upper part of, the, of what we call the stomach area. No desire to eat or drink, irritability, nausea, vomiting, unilateral thin white coating on the tongue. So that's interesting, unilateral, one-sided thin white coating. That's an unusual little symptom. And we expect a wiry and fine or, or, or thready pulse uh, in, this, in this thing. So again, we haven't gotten into a lot with pulse diagnosis yet, but pulse diagnosis, of course, is super important with diagnosis in Chinese medicine. I like to call it the MRI of Chinese medicine. I like to look at the, the tongue is another important part of diagnosis. That's why we talk about the white coating. We just talked about the white coating. I call that the CT scan of, of Chinese medicine. We can tell a lot about what's going on in the body by looking at the tongue and and feeling the pulse. And I, and I also, one of my, my things is uh, face, facial diagnosis, looking at how the face looks and, and different colors and, and things. And so with those, you, you can tell a lot about what's going on with the, with the person. So, And here's the thing about Shaoyang and why we're talking about the classic formula for treating this condition is today's formula, Shao Chaiyatang. Um, in fact, it's almost equivalent. You're Shaoyang, then we need you on, uh, if you're on Shaoyang, which is S-H-A-O, Shaoyang uh, disease, then we need to use Shao, X-I-A-O, Shao Chai Hu Tang to uh, help treat that. Very important. Now, acupuncture can certainly help, but this really, this is getting at that point where herbs are really important in order to prevent it from going internal. So the Chinese medical actions, you know, according to Shaid and his team, is... Uh, this formula says uh, harmonizes and releases yes lesser yang warp disorders that's all that's its entire medical action so pretty darn straightforward and chen chen equally as straightforward it says basically the same thing harmonizes xiao yang so there's not a lot of oomph there with these medical actions usually we have something that does this this and that and it, it, it's a little bit more complicated these are really straightforward it does xiao yang disease basically but when we get into the indications which is now 
we get into a lot more interesting sort of signs and symptoms and, and what this is useful for. So Chinese medical indications, uh, according to Scheid, uh, he and his team say this formula can be used for alternating fever and chills. As I mentioned, really important. Dry throat, we talked about bitter taste in the mouth, dizziness, irritability, sensation of fullness in the chest and hypochondria, often experienced as difficulty in taking deep breaths. So if someone you know, <laughs> can't get a nice deep breath, that's, that's really, that is indicative of this, potential, uh, potentially indicative of this formula. Heartburn, nausea and vomiting, being downcast with no desire to eat, a thin white tongue coating, it doesn't talk about being unilateral on this. Um, that's sort of a, a broad explanation of Shayan. In this case, just thin white tongue coating and a wiry pulse. We talked about the wiry pulse earlier. There may also be palpitations, coughing, or urinary dysfunction. So they're having trouble. Something's going on with the urine. And Chinchin have very similar, uh, you know, in indications and manifestation. I didn't think we needed to go into it too much. Um, because they're very similar, uh, not a whole bunch of difference. And this is pretty cool already. So continuing, uh, Scheid says this is a cold pathogen constraining the lesser yang warp. And again, that's a translation of Shai Yang. And, and impeding its ability to, to direct the clear upward and the, the clear upward and the turbid downward. So this is a good thing. We, we generally want, when our body's working well, we send the clear up. So that we, we uh, create chi and it's, it's a good thing. And we send the turbid down where it gets a little processed and we excrete it um, usually through urine. Um, so it's important that we have this clear going up and this turbid going down. And if that is impeded, then that's an indication for this formula. The, yes, the lesser yang defines the spaces in between the interior and exterior of the body. Its function is to direct the protective yang chi produced by the gate of vitality or the Ming Men and the clear fluids upward and outward and the turbid fluids downward from the upper to the lower burner. So gate of vitality is a really important, important concept in Chinese medicine. It's, it's considered where the fire of the, of the body comes from. And I'm going to leave it at that. That's another deep dive at some point that we're going we're gonna to need to get into. So when a cold pathogen that has penetrated the exterior constrains the protective aspects, that's the outside, it constrains your ability to protect yourself or Wei Qi, we have talked about Wei Qi before. Yang heat accumulates in the interior, so there's heat happening here. The ensuing struggle between the protective Yang and the pathogenic cold is reflected most clearly in the symptom of alternating chills and fever. When the pathogenic Qi prevails, Failure of the yang qi to warm the exterior causes chills. At more or less regular intervals, the constrained yang qi discharges to the exterior, which is experienced as fever by the patient. However, because this discharge is disorderly, it fails to dislodge the pathogen. Constrained heat rising upward in the interior also causes a bitter taste in the mouth, dry throat, and dizziness. those are the indications for this formula. Let's talk a little bit about its history. As mentioned, this formula was first described in the same book describing the six stages, which is the Shanghan Lung, or discussion of cold-induced diseases, written in the third century CE by Zhang Zhang Jing. It is the first existing book on herbal formulas, which I mentioned already. It is absolutely foundational to Chinese herbal medicine, and its formulas still play a very large role in modern herbal pharmacology. All right, let's get into the ingredients. There's, it's not a huge formula, but each of the ingredients is super important. So let's talk about it. So the, 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 the chief herb is Bupleuria radix or chai hu. Uh, and we use a big dose of this of 24 grams. That's a really large dose of chai hu in general. And it's from, it's an interesting, it's from the cool acrid herbs that release the exterior. So already we're kind of seeing, first of all, it's cool. We said it's a cold pathogen. So that's an interesting little twist, but that, um, this opens up the exterior. That's the idea behind chai. It's also quite a moving herb, so that could be useful as well. It is the most important herb for venting pathogens in lesser yang warp disorder. This is in, in, in the textbook for herbs, not for this formula. It is bitter, cooling, and out-thrusting, making it 
perfect for constrained chi transformed into heat. It also spreads the liver chi with an ascending cooling action, contrary to most cooling herbs, which cause things to descend. That's interesting. It, it sends things up rather than down. Scutellaria radix huang qin, uh, and we use nine grams here, is from the clear heat and dry dampness category of herbs. So that's interesting. Uh, clearing heat now, which is good. Remember we said there's some constrained heat here. So this is a deputy herb, which drains heat from the liver and gallbladder, the interior aspect of the lesser yang warp. It vents the pathogenic influence and thereby releases lesser yang warp disorders. And according to Bensky and his team, so this is single herb book. You know, Scheid is, is uh, the, the uh, formula book. Bensky is actually part of that et al., that, that team on Scheid. In fact, he wrote the first uh, couple, first one or two uh, vision versions of the formulas book, but then Scheid took over on the third version. So that's what um, it's there. So Bensky is involved in that, in that book as well. And... He says in this single herb book, this herb cools heat, dries dampness, stops bleeding, and quiets the fetus in pregnancy. Very useful herb. Uh, the, it's one of the, the three or four yellows, depending on you, what you include. And it's very important for draining damp heat. Our third herb is that herb I already mentioned what we we're going to see, which is Penelia rhizoma preparatum, or Jerban Shah. Uh, we talked about this in, in the complex preparation for, for using it. Um, this is interesting. Scheid says 24 grams in the formula. That's a large dose of Ban Sha. Um, Chen Chen says only 9 grams. So um, for me, this herb can be considered toxic, which is why it's so heavily um, prepared. I'd probably be a little bit more on the conservative side myself. but um, And you'll see, actually, when we go to prepare it, um, Scheid says use a lesser amount. So uh, use a lesser amount. And this is from warm herbs that transform cold phlegm category. So this is really useful uh, if you have a lot of phlegm going on. Both in, in Chinese medicine, we talk about uh, substantial phlegm and insubstantial phlegm, which are two totally different things. We're going to talk about that at some point. Um, but this can be used for either of those, but um, often definitely for substantial phlegm, phlegm that you're coughing up and things along those lines. So shied. And his team say this is one of the assistants of this formula and warms and transforms phlegm and turbidity in the middle burner. And Bensky, the single herb, says this, uh, Bensky and his team, says this herb is acrid or spicy for opening, slippery for directing rebellious chi downward, and bitter for drying. Best used for thin phlegm or dampness as well as rebellious stomach chi. So we can see in this case, if there's some phlegm, this is an incredibly useful herb, and there often is at this stage of the disease. So very useful. That, that sort of, you know, well, we won't get into that yet. Okay, next herb. Uh, Zingiberis rhizoma recens or Xinjiang. This is fresh ginger. Uh, we use nine grams, which again is a, a totally normal dose for this, but we don't usually put it in grams. We usually put it in slices. So it's interesting that this actually has nine grams, and both books agreed on that. So this is from warm, acrid herbs that release the exterior. So remember, our chief herb, chai hu, is a cool, acrid herb that releases the exterior. This is a warm, acrid herb. So we have some a lot of um, cooling or herbs. This just makes sure we don't overcool. That's sort of, in harmonizing formulas, we often see opposites. So we have warming and cooling. We have up and down, which we see in this formula. Chai hu goes up. Um, Huang, Huang Qing goes down. We see all these different, we have inside, outside. We see that in this too. Um, so really interesting. That kind of is a hallmark of harmonizing formula. So one of the assistants, this is also another assistant, uh, along with Jir Bansha, which we just mentioned. So together, they harmonize the middle burner, directs, direct rebellious chi downward, and stop nausea and vomiting. We have ginseng radix or ren shen. Hence, one, remember one of the, the alternative names for this is ren shen tonk, so our ginseng decoction. So this does have uh, ginseng, uh, nine grams, a, a, a fairly typical dose for it. And this is from the tonify chi herbs or tonify chi category of herbs. So very useful for, for supporting chi. 
Uh, this and the last two ingredients are all assistants for the formula. So again, there's a lot of assistants in this formula. This is an assistant for the formula. Uh, together, uh, this and the next two ingredients that we talk about support the normal chi and thereby prevent the pathogenic influence from penetrating to the interior. So this is um, designed to kind of strengthen your chi that can help repel out the pathogen. This herb powerfully tonifies the primal chi of the five organs, nourishes the yin, revives from collapse, and stops heavy bleeding. So that's the traditional functions of this, of this herb. And I, I know not all of you can see the pictures I have here, but uh, it comes in a white variety and a red variety. I have pictures for both of those. Um, and you can be more specific. So Baishen is white and Hongshen is, is red, uh, ginseng. And they have slightly different properties. Uh, so depending on what you want, red tends to be a little bit warmer. Um, white tends to be a little bit more nourishing of the fluids, that nourishing sort of aspect. So depending on exactly what you're looking for, you might choose between red and white. And of course, there's tons of different qualities and you can spend a lot of money on ginseng. Our next herb is another, probably our most commonly used herb, Glycericeae radix preparata or Jurgon sal. This is prepared licorice, uh, we, honey fried licorice generally. Uh, and nine grams of it. That's a fairly high dose of this of this herb. Generally, we use it at, at slightly smaller doses. Maybe four and a half grams is kind of a considered dose, a, a, a normal dose. Nine grams isn't isn't out of the realm of normal. It's just a little bit higher than than average. So, and again, this is from the tonified chi category of herbs, just like Renchen. Uh, Scheid and his team say, in addition to the already mentioned functions in this formula, Jurgon Sao and Dodzao, which is our next one we're going to talk about, also moderate the acrid dry properties of Jervan Shah and Shenjiang. So uh, we said Shirvan, uh, Jervan Shah is, is uh, warms and transforms phlegm, so that's a little bit warming. Shenjiang is in warm and release exterior, so that's a little bit warming. So those are a little bit warming. What this is doing is moderating that spicy dry properties of those two herbs. So it's, it's harmonizing. That's a lot of what Jirkan Sao does and why it's so popular and probably the most commonly used herb in our formulas is because in and of itself, it's a harmonizing herb that makes other ingredients less harsh. And we see that specifically here with these two herbs, Jirvan Shah and Shenjiang. And our last herb is Jujube fructus dadzao or Chinese dates. And in this case, they use 12 pieces. Now that's traditionally though, more in modern times, four pieces are generally used. It's interesting, Chen Chen just says four pieces. And Shayad and his team in the book says 12 pieces, but then has a little note below it saying that in modern times, we generally use four pieces. And, and it's thought that the, the, uh, the dates in the past were much smaller, so you would want more of it than modern day dates. So, And again, this herb is in the category of tonify the chi, but also this is uh, commonly used to harmonize other herbs. In fact, sort of the three harmonizing herbs that we see a lot, I call them the three treasures. I think a lot of people call them the three treasures, though I don't know if that's a technical name, is this licorice, either prepared or unprepared um, licorice, these Chinese dates, and Xinjiang, the, the, the fresh ginger. Those are commonly used. Now the, um, the licorice is used more often than the, than the all three of them, but all three are frequently used in herbal formulas to kind of harmonize a formula. And it probably stems from Shang Hong Lung and the, and the use of these, of these ingredients in that. So uh, this is another assistant herb, according to Scheid and his team. And uh, uh, the Xinjiang and Dazhao mildly regulates um, something here. So Xinjiang and Dazhao mildly regulates the nutritive and protective chi and assists Chai Hu in releasing the half exterior aspects of this condition. So that's all the ingredients. Now, how is this traditionally prepared? So standard preparation is to prepare this formula as a decoction. Scheid and his team say decoct the above ingredients in approximately 12 cups of water until six cups remain. The ingredients are removed and the strained decoction is further decocted until three cups remain. This is taken warm in three equal doses over the course of a day. So the, the, the doses here are daily doses, basically. They continue, Codonopsis radix dang shen is commonly substituted for ren shen at two to three times its dosage. So this is a common substitution. Dang shen has traditionally been uh, much 
uh, easier to obtain and much cheaper than, than ginseng. Though I got to say, these days, dongshen is fairly expensive. In fact, if you're using two or three times the amount of dongshen, you're, you're, you're probably a little bit more expensive than eh, maybe not a great quality, but a decent quality ginseng. So you might want to consider just sticking with the ginseng. Ginseng is considered superior to dongshen, but not greatly superior. So it's a, it's a perfectly common substitution use dongshen rather than renshen. Uh, but I don't know if it makes a whole bunch of sense in modern day. Most practitioners also reduce the dosage of chai hu and jirban cha to 12 grams. That, I think, is, is seems appropriate. And jirgan sao to 6 grams. Again, I said 9 grams is a little bit on the high side, so 6 grams is about right. So I agree with those reductions. So that's preparation. Let's talk about commentary. This is where you kind of dive into it. There's a humongous commentary on the several pages. Can't get into all of it with uh, Shaid and Hissing, but I, I did excerpt uh, stuff that I thought was, was really interesting. Uh, but there is definitely a deeper dive in, in their book. So according to them, uh, according to discussion of cold damage, that's that Shang Hanlung, the common methods of treating externally contracted diseases are inducing sweating to release the exterior and purging or vomiting to expel interior accumulations. However, neither of these approaches is appropriate for treating a lesser yang disorder. The pathogenic influence is lodged too deeply in the interior to be released by sweating which would only injure the fluids and the normal chi. Yet, the pathogen has not penetrated deep enough to justify purging, which would injure the yin and could lead to palpitations with anxiety. Because the symptom of chest fullness is due to chi constraint rather than pathogenic accumulation, inducing vomiting is also inappropriate. This would merely injure the yang of the chest and could lead to palpitations. The preferred method, which unblocks the qi dynamic to clear heat constraint, vents pathogens from the lesser yang, and harmonizes fluid metabolism, it is known as harmonization, or literally harmonizing resolution, or hujie. They continue to talk about this formula's wide range of applications. Quote, Located in between the exterior and the interior and responsible for regulating the distribution of qi throughout the body, the lesser yang is referred to in Chapter 6 of Basic Questions. That's the one Di Mei Jing uh, basic question. So this is the first existing book on Chinese medicine uh, and, and is, I don't like the word Bible, but is considered a foundational, very foundational text in Chinese medicine, the foundational text. So it's re, uh, the yes yang is referred to in basic questions as functioning like a pivot or shoe. When the pivot becomes stuck, the qi dynamic breaks down. This gives Xiao Chai Hutong an extremely wide range of possible indications. The formula is mentioned over 20 times in discussion of coal damage and essentials from the Golden Kevin. That's that Jingwei Liao Fun that I was talking about earlier. Paragraph 101 of discussion of coal damage observes that quote within a quote, <laughs> for cold damage or wind attack, when there is a Shao Chai Hu Tang presentation, if there is only one sign, then that is it. It is not necessary that they all be present to make the diagnosis. This statement sparked considerable discussion among commentators. Some interpreted it, interpreted it literally to mean that the presence of just one of the signs or symptoms listed in the source text warranted the use of Shao Chai Hu Tang. Others, however, read it as referring to the presence of just the chief signs, Zhu Sheng, like alternating chills and fever, fullness of the chest and hypochondria, downcast demeanor with lack of appetite or irritability and nausea. They continue on with the discussion of the translation of the late Qing dynasty physician Tang Zhang Hai. So this is relatively modern uh, and uh, you know, the Qing dynasty is relatively late. Tang Song high analysis of this formula and discussion of blood patterns. And he says, this is an invigorating formula that spreads out the exterior and harmonizes the interior, that lifts the clear upward and directs the turbid downward. The exterior of the human body in this context refers to the pivotal dynamic of the interstices and pores and the nutritive and protective aspects. We've talked about Ying and Wei Qi previously, nutritive and protective aspects. The interior of the human body refers to 
the substantial supervisory function exerted by the triple burner on the yin and yang organs. Remember, the triple burner is part of this Xiaoyang. He continues, in the interior, the lesser yang governs the triple burner. In the exterior, it governs the interstices and pores. If we are discussing the nature of the lesser yang, we mean the qi of the ministerial fire with its root in the gallbladder. Remember, gallbladder and triple burner are the two big ingredients here. If we are discussing its function, we mean the qi of clear yang that resides in the stomach. The formula uses renshen, dadzao, and gansao to develop the patient's stomach qi. It uses the combination of huangqin and jirbansha to direct turbid fire downward, and the combination of chaihu and shenjiang to lift up the clear yang. Thus, harmonizing and facilitating the patient's qi dynamic, how would the interstices and triple burner not also be regulated? Some interesting commentary and insight into this formula. So uh, later in the commentary, Shine and his team include a list of six broad categories of modern diseases this formula has treated. One, febrile disorders with alternating fever and chills. That's what it was built for, so that's great. And anytime there's an alternating fever and chills, this is a, is a, a really potentially useful formula. Second category, digestive disorders that present with signs of stagnation or clumping in the liver and gallbladder channels or where, the, where loss of the stomach's downward-directing function is accompanied by a wiry pulse. Three, gynecological disorders that match the presentations of heat entering the blood chamber where signs of blood stasis are accompanied by alternating chills and heat flushes. Four, urogenital disorders where signs of heat or inflammation are accompanied by qi stagnation. Five, miscellaneous disorders with a clear relationship to the lesser yang channels or related patterns such as inflamed lymph glands in the neck or armpits, thyroid enlargement, hypertension, or palpitations. There you go. There's a lot of really interesting possibility, modern possibilities right there. And then six, nervous system and emotional disorders with a lesser yang presentation, including insomnia, anxiety, headache, and nerve pain. So interesting. Those are the six broad categories. Chen Chen has a lot of commentary as well, though it's a, it's a lot less than Shide's uh, book. Uh, so Chen Chen, because the Xiaoyang stage is unstable and often short and transient, the symptoms listed above may not be clinically present all at the same time. Therefore, as suggested in Shang Han Lung, a discussion of cold-induced disorders, this formula can be applied even if there's only one Xiaoyang symptom present clinically. So they address that, that, uh, that quote as well. So that's an, an important quote for us to remember, only one symptom. All right, so that's commentary. There's a lot of it. Uh, let's move into some modifications. So many, many modifications of this formula are used to treat a wide variety of conditions, both traditional and modern. Flaws and Wolf, I love this little book. It's, it's called The Successful Chinese Herbalist. And it's a great little book on how to start, if, you're, if you haven't, you don't have an extensive uh, herbal pharmacy or you want to get into it, this is a great book for that. And if you've been doing it for a while, I learned a lot from reading this book because it really has some interesting insights uh, into, uh, into uh, prescribing and things along those lines. So a nice little book uh, and, and love it. Uh, and it discusses this formula. It's the first formula they come to use. So one of the things they say actually is that as you get more and more experience, you actually start using fewer and fewer herbal formulas but then you heavily modify those formulas for each individual. And I thought that was interesting because that was sort of naturally occurring to me. And I thought, oh, I got to get back into the books and learn more formulas. And this kind of like, well, no, maybe you need to look at your modifications more than the, the actual formula. So this is the first formula they actually talk about in that book and is, is probably one of the first formulas that they use in heavy modifications. They actually list... Uh, 37 modifications for various conditions and state these are just an example of possible modifications. So obviously I'm not going over all of those on this, this chat. 
Chen Chen in their book actually lists 29 modifications of this formula, tons of modifications. And it, it what it does is it really makes it very useful for a lot of modern diseases with just a few little tweaks. So modifications are really important. There's just way too many of them. And there's not, a, not one that I can say, oh, here's two or three of them that are super important. It's like they're all can be quite specific. And so... Um, I'm just saying there's a lot out there, and so very useful, and, and let's modify this formula. It's just too much to, to put too much into this discussion. So comparisons of this formula, of course, super important formula. There's going to be a lot of comparisons, and each book has quite a few. Uh, comparisons different. Comparisons, I've chosen a couple of them here. So given the prominence of this formula, it is compared with many other formulas, and we'll only touch on a couple here. Probably one of the most common comparisons is with its sister formula, major bupurim decoction or da chai hu tang. So this is minor bupurim decoction or shao chai hu tang. And so why would we use that as opposed to major bupurim decoction? Of course, our, our, our Western senses are like, well, if it's major, it must be stronger. So why don't we use that more? No, no, no. So let's let's talk about some of the, the differences here. According to Scheid and his team, both of these formulas treat lesser yang warp disorders. So there you go. However, a da chai hu tang presentation is characterized by more severe vomiting rather than occasional vomiting or just nausea caused by stronger heat. So stronger symptoms is the major. Thus, the formula contains a much larger dosage, 24 grams versus 9 grams of shenjiang or that fresh ginger. Symptomatically, Shenjiang stops nausea and vomiting while functionally it assists Chai Hu in venting the pathogen to the exterior. A, dai chai, a Da Chai Hu Tang presentation must also have symptoms of heat and the Yang brightness organ with clumping such as abdominal fullness, focal distension, and pain. So this Yang, um, yang brightness or Yang Ming is another one of the six stages. So this is basically what this is saying is there's a little bit of that second of the six stages as it's going into the third of the six stages. And, and with Yang Ming, we, we call it the four bigs. It's a big presentation, feel, big stuff happening, high fever, high thirst, uh, those sort of big thirst, big fever, those sort of things. So it still has a little bit of that going on still. So that's Da Chai Hu Tang. Because Shao Chai Hu Tang contains herbs that harmonize and tonify the spleen and stomach, it can be used when heat has already been purged from the interior but some heat still remains in the exterior. In these cases, the formula not only effectively vents any lingering pathogen, but also lengthen, strengthens the chi of the middle burner that has been weakened by the prior purgation. Purging. So Chen Chen, uh, so that's Da Chai Hu Tang. They also compare it to that formula we've already talked about, Shaiyasan, a rambling pattern. Again, Shaiyasan is a harmonizing formula. It uh, harmonizes the, the liver and spleen. So it's a little bit different, but it's under that category of harmonizing formula. So it's interesting comparison here. So here's what Chen Chen says about these two formulas. Shao Chai Yu Tang treats alternating chills and fever caused by exterior pathogenic factors that enter the Shaoyang level and get trapped in the half exterior and half interior location. Ren Shen, Dadzao, and Gansao strengthen the interior to push the pathogens outward prevent them from invading further into the body, not to tonify the deficiencies. Shenjiang is used with Ban Sha to treat nausea and irritability caused by gallbladder heat invading the stomach. Shaiyosan treats alternating fever and chills caused by disharmony among the liver, spleen, and gallbladder and accompanied by blood deficiency and liver cheese stagnation. The chills and fever are not the result of an exterior invasion. So if it's an exterior invasion, if it's not exterior, then you can think about Shaiyasan. Dangwei, Fuling, and Baiju uh, strengthen the spleen to prevent the liver from overacting. Shenjiang warms the middle jowl to strengthen the spleen. All right, so there's a couple comparisons. Like I said, there's more, there's a lot more out there, but I think these are two big ones. Let's step into biomedical indications for this formula. And there are, this formula is used for several biomedical conditions. Um, Shaid talks about four groups of biomedical conditions, uh, and here they are. Uh, one, those manifesting with chest and hypochondriac pain, including hepatitis, chronic cholecystitis or gall, gallstone, uh, gallbladder uh, inflammation, chronic gastritis, 
peptic ulcer disease, acute pancreatitis or inflammation of the pancreas, pneumonia, and pleurisy. So pleurisy is inflammation of the pleural uh, spaces in the, in the lungs, which is quite painful. Uh, the second grouping here is acute febrile illness, such as upper respiratory tract infections, tonsillitis, conjunctivitis, that's the conjunctiva of the eyes, malaria, typhoid fever of unknown origin, perimenstrual fevers, and postpartum fevers. Third, those marked by periodicity, periodicity which is uh, things come and go, um, such as bronchial asthma, epilepsy, angina pectoris, allergic, that's angina pectoris is chest pains, allergic rhinitis or running, allergic runny nose, and premenstrual syndrome. And finally, the fourth grouping is those affecting the pathways of the lesser yang channels, such as migraine, intercostal neuralgia, so that's, that's a nerve pain in between the ribs, uh, perioral eczema, so that's uh, eczema uh, around the, uh, uh, the ear, I think, oral, yeah. Uh, peritiditis, uh, that's uh, inflammation of the parotid glands. Superative otitis media, so that's uh, um, uh, inner ear, I mean a middle ear infection um, that's superative that has drainage. And mastitis, so that is uh, the, uh, inflammation of the, of the nipples. So that's from Scheid and his team. Chen and Chen also includes several pharmacological effects of this formula, including it is hepatoprotective, it helps the liver. Cholagogic, it helps secretions from the gallbladder. Immunostimulant, it helps the immune system. Anti-inflammatory. Temp uh, temperature regulation, uh, regulates temperature. Gastrointestinal, helps gastrointestinal issues. Anti-dyslipidemic, so it helps hypercholesterolemia, so uh, too much cholesterol or, or lipids in the, in the blood. Anti-allergic anti-ulcer, anti-tumor, and radioprotective. So if you have to have radiotherapy for some reason, usually a tumor or cancer or something along those lines, this can be helpful for protecting against that. Some Chinese studies as reported by Chen and Chen report uh, showing benefit in the following conditions. Uh, and uh, you can see on here, I, I have numbers of patients. And in general, there's some of these that are, are a little bit small, but uh, several of them are relatively large, but they are Chinese in origin. And um, when you look at the results, they're not ex these are a little bit older, so they're not exactly up to modern standards. So, But um, just to give you an idea of um, some of this cough, chronic hepatitis, viral hepatitis, hepatocellular carcinomas, that's, that's uh, liver cancer, uh, cholecystitis, so that is uh, uh, gall, Bladder inflammation usually implies gallstones, pancreatitis, bronchial asthma, morning sickness, a lot. Uh, the number there is 320. That's a lot of people in morning sickness, so useful for morning sickness. And dysmenorrhea, uh, so that's painful menses. So they also list another 26 studies of a whole bunch of different types of conditions using various modifications of Shao Chai Yutang. So the ones that I just talked about, it Im they imply that it's just the straight formula of Shao Chai Tong and then all these other studies with various modifications. I didn't want to get into them because it's hard to say, well, it helps X, Y, Z, but only if you add in these herbs and it just, it, it devolves into a lot of slides and I didn't want to get into all that. But um, lots of, this is a, as far as formulas go, this is a very well-studied formula. Talk about drug-herb interactions. Uh, so Gonsal may increase blood pressure. That's licorice, Huangqin, or scutellaria. So we have a bunch of potential interactions with cytochrome P450. Again, I don't want to get into it, but it is one of the major markers for drug-herb interactions. If you want to know more about it, do that drug-herb interaction series that I was talking about. We definitely get into that in the, in the second uh, uh, webinar in that series. Uh, but uh, Huangqin inhibits several of the cytochrome P450s, as does Ren Shen. Uh, Renshin may also interfere with warfarin, digoxin, and reltegravir, uh, uh, which is an antiviral. And Shenjiang also has some cytochrome P450 interactions and potentially interferes with anticoagulants as well. So generally, we want to be a little bit extra um, cautious when, when adding herbs in with anti anticoagulatives. So warfarin is the major one that we're worried about, which inherently has its own issues. 
um, so we don't want to add herbs into the mix of it. All right, so let's check herb interactions, talk about some of the concerns, then we'll wrap this all up. So Shide and his team say this formula promotes the spreading out of yang qi, which can cause headache, dizziness, and bleeding of the gums if taken long-term. This is not a long-term formula. These side effects can be reduced or eliminated if the formula is prepared according to the directions in the source text. For the same reason, unless considerably modified, it is contraindicated in patients with excess above and deficiency below, liver fire, or bleeding of the gums. Use with cautioning cases of ascendant liver yang, hypertension, or vomiting of blood due to yin deficiency. Patients with relatively weak normal qi may experience fever and chills while taking this formula because the pathogenic influence is vented in the lesser yang warp via the greater yang. Chen Chen has its own concerns, echoes some of these concerns. Chao Chai Yutang should be used with caution in patients with yin and or blood deficiencies, in patients with upper excess and lower deficiency, or in patients with liver fire. Inappropriate use of this formula may result in headache, dizziness, or bleeding gums. In general, there is no sweating associated with relief of symptoms following the administration of Shao Chai Yutang since it harmonizes rather than releases the exterior. However, some patients do show sweating prior to recovery. These should be monitored closely to prevent excessive sweating from injuring yin. Avoid cold, raw, pungent, spicy, uh, and spicy foods, pungent and spicy foods while taking this formula. <sighs> that was it. We got through it. There was a lot. So in summary... That was today's formula, Shao Chai Yutang, a very important, useful, and interesting formula. We started by finishing up our discussion of powder or processing, and then we got into the formula, including its ingredients, commentary, lots of commentary, the science, our concerns and cautions, as well as its potential drug interactions. All in all, another exploration of an interesting Chinese formula, in this case, a very important formula used for a wide variety of conditions. And the reason why it's used in a wide variety of, of conditions is that it's used in a lot of modern diseases. A lot of modern diseases kind of present themselves with a pathogen that kind of got stuck, not in the exterior, but not quite in the interior. Um, you know, you think about things like Lyme disease is, is one of those things that we have what are known as hidden pathogens in Chinese medicine that are just, they're hiding. This is a great formula for those. And those are considered to be sort of more modern uh, diseases. A lot of modern diseases may be considered that. So this is a great formula for stuff that's lodged but not moving out. And, uh, and, and so, you know, a lot of our modern diseases fall into that. So that's why this is so useful for that. All right. Next episode. In two weeks, we are going to be looking at one of the big daddy herbs, an OG Absolutely one of the most commonly used and important herbs around and used in today's formula, Renchen or ginseng. Really, this herb cannot be oversold. It, I'm, I'm going to say, this is the reason why we sell herbs in the United States. I mentioned this earlier in one of our Spurbs Herbs when I talked about F. Molly versus Heckler, uh, which was a court case, and it involved the sale of ginseng uh, uh, among other herbs. Ginseng was the, one of the first herbs that was brought in the United States to be sold over the counter. And it was that lawsuit that basically gives us the right to sell herbs, at least in the United States. So Renshin is is it. This is this is the original, the OG. So and as always, we will be looking at something a little different. So please join us in two weeks for another crucial and absolutely foundational episode. Thank you very much. I appreciate you you listening to all this. If you like this podcast, please do us a, a huge favor. Give us a five-star rating in your favorite podcast app. Uh, we're on all the podcast apps. If we're not on one that you use, please let me know. I'll get us on there. Uh, but, uh, man, we would be so appreciative if you were to give us a five-star rating. That would just be amazing. And remember, you can get this and 30% off our drug herb series CUs and NCCM PDAs at www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org. That's council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L.org. And if you want that 30% off, just put a slash 32 at the end of that, and you'll see that 30% off. You can always get in touch with me at drgreg at spurbsherbs.com or at our website, 
www.sperbsherbs.com. As always, I'm Dr. Greg Sperber, and I really appreciate you hanging out there. And again, a big, huge thank you. And of course, as usual, have a very extensive bibliography on today. Lots of stuff. The proceeding was presented by Dr. Greg Sperber. We would like to thank Janelle for all her support and everybody else who contributed to this program. Janelle. Timothy, Timothy Dobbins, Dobbins. Rogers. Campbell.